Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 45. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, with me as always. Hey, it's me. It's me, it's DDP. Yeah, it's me, it's me, it's DDP. Bang! No, actually, it's uh, Family Master, David, whatever. And a returning guest. That'd be me, Ken Staples. All right. And we are here on Persona Eve to, well, I don't know, maybe we'll answer some questions, but mostly we're going to talk about Persona because, you know. Like, half of my Twitter timeline has been talking about the game because half of them just, like, somehow got it early, and I'm just furious, like, impotently furious the entire time. That is not right. That is not right. Yeah. How could you do this to me? (laughs) Mine Mine is sitting in an Amazon facility, like, an hour away. And and every jury in the world would tragically convict me for breaking, entering, and stealing it. Terrible, just just terrible. Anyway, no uh, so before we get into that, we have a few actual questions, mostly from Budai, all from Budai. Always uh, generous as he is. So we also have some Zelda-related questions I totally forgot about that we may dig into at some point. Um, we'll see how we'll see how things go. Uh, oh man, I got so many kind things to say about Zelda. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, so let's just start with a quick one from Budai. How do you feel about backtracking in RPGs? Um, not not the great podcast, but going back and forth over the same area. There is a fine line between an area becoming a familiar welcoming place, weekend games, and ones where retreating the same areas re, retreading retreading the same areas <laughs> become tedious and heading. How do developers handle or mishandle this design? Well, they make a Persona game. Yeah, like Persona Persona's 3, 4, and presumably 5 uh, all are fascinating attempts to use a fairly limited resource set. Like, the amount of assets in Persona's 3 and 4 is hilariously limited. Sure. Like, they're obviously pretty low-budget games that have cleverly tried to hide that by making it so that it's not jarring that you're constantly retreading the same areas. They move characters around and have them say different things. But it also means they don't have to make a lot of like unique assets. <laughs> Void. I love. Uh, so yeah, it's all in how you use it. Who'd have thought? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no. And like, conversely to that, you could have something like um, Zelda: Breath of the Wild, where the world is effing ginormous, and going back to different areas. Um, can be nostalgic because you may not have been there in like who knows how long. You could literally have not visited an area for dozens of hours. It's like, oh yeah, this place. I remember having trouble traversing this place. That's kind of weird to think about now. Yeah. <laughs> Very good at evoking that feeling. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really, Persona is the perfect perfect example of this. Uh, I can't really think of anything that does it any better than that. Like, even, even games that sort of bite the modern Persona style have a very heavy tendency to sort of... Like, they, they, don't tr- they don't usually take the degree of focusedness on a setting as much as Persona does. Yeah. Where, like, 
as much as Persona like Four is defined by its like mystery, uh, like mystery plot, it's also defined by like the idea of like Inaba as the archetypical Japanese small town. Or like Persona Three is sort of like this, like it's sort of a more. It's not Tokyo, but it is definitely a city setting, and that comes through in the kinds of people that inhabit it and the kind of concerns they have. So that setting being a character will really help you along to not feeling like you're just retreading old ground because you're you are seeing the unfamiliar contours of a familiar area. Hmm. Yeah, I've got very important philosophical things to say. <laughs> Ken, any thoughts on this question? Have you, I mean, you guys are you playing Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I actually, I did download Desktop Dungeon, um, which I haven't played in a very long oh, time. Um, that one's old school. But, oh man, it was great during the alpha, and I haven't really liked it very much after it went gold. Um, but, but that aside, I mean, you guys, I mean, pretty much covered it. I mean, for me, it's, you know, backtracking to what end? Are you just revisiting a same area to kill a different monster for a different drop item? I mean, you look at stuff like, um, I hate to use this as an example, but uh, Maple Story for or games of that type where you're going to the same map and you're killing the same mob, and this time you have to pick up five green logs, and then you go back to the NPC, and he's, okay, now I need you to go back and kill 100 more of these mobs, and I need you to get five purple logs. And then you go back, and he tells you, okay, this time, this will be the last time, I need you to kill 500 of them, and I need... <laughs> I need 20 rainbow logs and three, this is very important, three gold logs. Um, you know, so you get into this situation where there's really no value added, it's just bloat. Um, but where we're talking about, and I'm pretty sure that Persona's going to come up with just about every answer in some way, shape, or form. Um, with Persona, you would be going back to this to the same locations over and over again. Um, but it it's like you and your daily life. It's that like you're going to the same location, but you're experiencing new things. You're advancing a social link, or you're meeting a new character, or you're exploring a new part of a dungeon that unlocks a new story segment. Um, you know, so there's a value added um, in some games that make you go back to the same place again. Um, you know, it sort of changes your perspective. Yeah. You a- okay. No, that that was pretty much it. I was going to say you you really like you touched upon something that made something click in my head. It's sort of like how much when you tell me to backtrack, how much am I is my reaction going to be? Couldn't you have just let me do this when I was there before? Yes. And like the second that like you give me a decent reason, it doesn't even have to be a mechanical reason. It can just be that like you know, someone else has to accompany me there this time, or, like, something changed about the state of the area, something is different about what I'm doing there, then I'll accept, okay, I couldn't have just done this at the same time I was doing the other thing. But, like, backtracking gets really egregious when it's, like, that kind of repetitive quest where it's like, if you just told me all of these quests at once, I could have saved us both a lot of time. A lot of time. It's like when I was playing um, Horizon, Right, so it's a pretty big map, um, and you do have to backtrack, but it's not—it's not backtracking in the sense that I have to go back to this area to just kill a bunch of stuff that you know makes no sense for me to have to do it later. Um, 
you know, it's backtracking to find a, a collectible or going back to do a hunting ground or, or something of that nature. Um, so you, you go and you're going to be seeing the same locations again, uh, but it doesn't really get tedious. Mm-hmm. Strong art direction will also help that. Yes, <laughs> this is true. And uh, Horizon definitely has that going for it. Yeah, that seems like the the core of our premise here. All right. Also, don't make me have to think about the Revelations Persona map where backtracking anywhere was impossible. Ugh. Ugh. One day I'm going to have just like a... At some point during this podcast, I'm going to rant about playing Revelations Persona in like 1998 and having no idea what the hell had happened to my (laughs) life. All right, let's just... You know what? No, I don't want to do this question yet. So, uh, Phil, uh, co-host of the RPG Backtrack, did give bring up one interesting question that uh, I forgot to bring up last time, which was basically... I forget exactly how he phrased it, but it was something along the lines of uh, why are mobile phones killing handheld gaming or handheld consoles or something along those lines. Basically, he wanted to... to tell us to talk about uh, handheld consoles and mobile gaming and all that jazz. That's that's a really broad question. I feel like I wish I could see I feel like there were, I feel like there was something more specific there, but I forget it was. Forget like, exactly why are they why are they killing convenience and price? Like, you pay, you don't pay, like, people complain that mobile games aren't as good of experiences as handheld games, like, I'll argue that to my death. But, like, you know, for the sort of person who just wants five minutes of gameplay that they're not going to think too much about, like, the fact that they're free or at most 99 cents is going to trump the fact that, like, they aren't the best game around because it's just like, I just wanted to kill time. (laughs) Well, I think what he wanted us to talk about really was, um, you know, how handheld consoles aren't really completely dead or dying. It's just a matter of, in my thinking, Their market's contracted. Right, but. it's marking it's contracted because the people that wanted those consoles just for quicker experiences can just do it on their damn phone. But I mean, like that's true of the home console market as well. I mean, like true. PS4 has done remarkably well, but that's by eating most of both the PS3 and Xbox 360's market share. Yeah. Like by by the standards of the fact, like if you're looking at. PS3 to PS4, the PS4 has picked up steam, but if you're looking at console market to console market, then the market has contracted, because while there are that consumer that wants this kind of experience that they can't get elsewhere, and that that extends from both what we would consider ourselves the very hardest of hardcore to, like, the people who would normally, who would be considered casual gamers before, like, casual gaming became cell phones, but the sort of person who buys Call of Duty and Madden, probably not much else, like, that person also still has to buy a console because they can't really Call of Duty or simulate football or any of their chosen their sport of choice. They can't really simulate that to a degree that they would enjoy on a phone yet. And so the console market is kept afloat by the fact that, like, people will go for whatever is cheapest that satisfies their needs. Right. And, like, so, like... While that contraction is less publicized because there is a very like viable contender still alive, and it's like, okay, and so it's the 3DS. Like the 3DS was weathered the storm of the biggest part of like the 
migration to mobile and proved that, you know, like 70 million is not 150 million that the DS was. But it's also not a failure. It's still like, especially for something that launched on the wrong foot like the 3DS did, it it still came out and showed that, yes, there are still there is still a market that wants these games in this form factor that are willing to pay premiums for a more premium product. And, you know, it's like even the Vita has carved out a niche for itself as mishandled as it has been in the U.S. due to like Sony's insistence essentially on trying to capture the same market as the high-end console. It's still essentially like a proof that people still want these even if they don't necessarily want the ones we already have. Well said. Yeah. Industry pontification. Moral of the story, Switch. Oh man, <laughs> I just want everything on this thing now. Cause it's just like it is—it is my ideal form factor for every video game. I'm gonna cry if they announce like a Switch version of Persona Five in like a month. If they no, do, I'm gonna—I'm no. I'm, I'm gonna buy it like sight unseen. I'm not even gonna cry. Yeah, that's true. Because it's like, oh, I can play it portably, you say, and with almost no compromise, you say. Well then, sir, where can I subscribe to your newsletter? <laughs> Because, like, really, like, I I know it's going to get ported to something handheld about a year down the line. It's just a question of, like, how long. Yeah. Japan. Like, because, like, uh, uh, these sort of market contractions have naturally affected Persona less. And you can see that from interviews with Atlas's heads in Japan, where it's like, oh, Persona 5 did actually better than Persona 4, because the market that cares about it already buys consoles. <laughs> So, like, it weathers that storm just fine. But at the same time, there is always... Like, Persona is also notable for its expanded audience... Like, its expanding audience where most franchises are contracting. And so it makes sense to try to feel out where is the end of that tale. Hmm. So how long until uh, Persona 5 dancing all night? Well, they talked about how they wanted to do one of those before Persona 4 Dancing Out All Night was done, so... Are you serious? Technically, what they said was a Persona 3 Dancing All Night, but 5 makes more sense. Okay. If, if you ask me, not soon enough. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I, would, I would appreciate it if they could make it a less visually jarring game, but I would still totally play it. Like... My issue playing Persona 4 Dancing All Night is, like, it's really hard to, like, keep track of all the things that are moving towards the outer edges of the screen because it's a mm. really bright, busy sort of game. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't for the uh, the different sheets that you could use, I don't think I would have platinumed that game. Man, I remember, like... When Persona 4 Golden came out, I was in kind of a bad place, and I had way, way, way too much time... I don't know if you've ever seen what it looks like to hunt to 100% finish a 100-hour RPG twice in two weeks, but don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. It was a bad time. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't have any words. I don't feel like elaborating on that further. But hey, I... 
got a full S-Link run for the first time, and I got, like, all the personas, and it was it was terrible. Don't do it. <laughs> got all the bonus content, did all the, like... Got everyone there, like, it's not technically another uh, an 11th level S-Link, but, like, they got their, like, ultimate third level personas. Oh, man, I had such a good... Like... In the throes of a very bad time mentally, I was distracted very well because I love Persona 4 so much. Video games. <laughs> mm, video games. Alright. Tell the pain. So, I guess we should do this next one. Okay. I think the weapon durability in Zelda... This is Budai, by the way. The weapon durability in Zelda is an interesting topic. I can see what they were doing... Uh, which is to get players to see encounters in different ways rather than just run to the monster and start swinging. Uh, I think it's more than that, but we'll get to that. Uh, which the game lets you do more the further you get into it. The game's attempt to do away with as many invisible walls as possible is one of my favorite traits. It makes other games uh, I'm playing seem primitive in that aspect. Do you feel Breath of the Wild finally gives us a Zelda that can firmly be called an RPG without the usual debate, or is the debate still applicable? Still applicable. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I think this one is less of an RPG than previous entries. That's a fair argument for that. It's got more stats, but it is somehow like, it's more action-y than before. Yeah. So, it's a little more RPG and a little more action, and so that contrast becomes more evident in its design. As for the actual weapons themselves, it's, like, weapons, like, everything is a considered resource. Everything is an opportunity to try something, like, a little off-kilter. Like, I remember early in the game, I was nearly run, I had nearly run myself out of weapons, and I spotted just, like, a rock, and I used the magnesis to just drop it on everything's head. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, yes, it works. And that's basically, that's, like, Breath of the Wild is, yes, it worked, the game. Yeah. Like, anytime you see something and you think to yourself, like, this really ought to work. There's nothing that should stop it. Like, the developers, like, 99 times out of 100 resisted the temptation to disallow a strategy just because it wasn't the one they wanted. Like, if something, do if something works one way on one thing, it consistently works that way on everything, <laughs> which really helps you get around a lot of the, like, oh, well, my conventional strategy didn't work. Well, the game armed you to the teeth with, like, a million other you know, unconventional strategies. Yeah. Like, weapon degradation is to force you to consider, like, how much is a fight worth pursuing? Will the weapon I get from killing this thing, because it almost definitely has a weapon, be worth the weapon I'm sacrificing to kill it? Mm. Like, the weapon is a resource, the weapon is ammo, basically. Until you like, get the Master Sword. But even the Master Sword is kind of ammo, too, because the True. Master Sword, like, like, at risk of spoilers, the Master Sword isn't, like, it comes back, but it's still runs out of power, as the game puts it, and, like, will disappear from your inventory for ten or more minutes at a time. Yeah, if you're not using it against the correct type of enemy class, yeah, it's, it's pretty much just, like, 
It's just a sword version, exactly. Yes. You have to use it against Ganon's minions, or you're just wasting it. Like it's fine if you're like if you're using it against Ganon's minions. I get the feeling that it also is more durable than it is otherwise. Yes. But when it's when it's glowing, it lasts a lot longer. Yeah, like in those situations, it's indisputably your best friend. But yeah, like even like you can do sword beams. I was shocked when I worked out how sword beams work. If you are at full health and you try to throw the master sword, it shoots a sword beam. Oh my god, this changes everything. I learned that by accident. But even that, that's they knew that you would try to use that to game the system. So like that will still damage the master sword. Ah, interesting. But yeah, like you can do like I, I occasionally use it if like an animal's running away from me and it's like, no, I want your meat. <laughs> <laughs> because the sword beam is not affected by uh air and like gravity the way that an arrow is. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's just but yeah, like you the game is, the game is trying to limit your access to boring dominant strategy so that it can force you to like understand that it's given you a lot of options they're there you they're yours for the taking and they're a lot more fun than just running up and smacking things like that's why the shields all break like it forces you to learn to dodge and you find out that oh when i dodge just right i get like a super like flurry of attacks and that's really satisfying and fun and way more fun than just like having my shield get thwacked against and like countering in a very canned fashion. Mm. Okay, so I'm I'm going to give you the dissenting opinion here. Sure. Because I never learned how to properly parry or dodge to get those bonus attacks. I think oh. I think I did the tutorial to be able to do that and I just did it just enough to clear that tutorial, but that was <laughs> it. And Mike, you and I had a conversation about this. We did, and, yeah. And you got very salty about it. <laughs> but, but, but I really did not care for the, the durability system um, in Breath of the Wild. I felt that the weapons just, they disappeared too quick. I mean, I can imagine with the rusty weapons, yeah, sure, those should just, they're rusty. Of course they're going to break. But everything else, it just, they were just gone so quick. And without a really quick way for me to be able to just dispatch of them, um, it was just tedious. And you know what? I just like going around smacking stuff with my sword and just being done with it. It's It just almost seems... Um, counterintuitive that you would have that many weapons that break unlike unless link is just some sort of super strong behemoth of a guy that just there's no mortal weapon that can withstand his absolute strength um it doesn't make sense for them to just fall apart like that all the time Apparently. well he is able to dig his fingers into a solid cliff this is true <laughs> this is true Apparently you're using like all the glass weapons in the game or something. I must be. I mean, I. But it's like even even bows, even bows. It's like you shoot off ten arrows and your bow breaks. What? I mean, bows are you using? Jesus. What? I mean, but it's like what kind of? But even if it's not ten, it's twenty. All right. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go and I'm gonna look up. 
Breath of the Wild weapon durability. And you'll get seven game facts thread complaining about it. Uh, <laughs> I, st I still have the weapon I beat the first boss in the game with. Oh, nice. I, haven't, I hit him with I, the master I, I haven't been using it frequently, <laughs> but, you know, still. It's one of those things there. where, like, it's it, the game is definitely trying to stop you from getting too attached to any particular weapon. And, like, I'm, that I, will definitely I, rub some players the wrong way. I, I don't blame you for that. I totally, I, I understand that. I can see where they're coming from, you know, because normally in, in every, literally every other Zelda game, you know, what are you doing? You're using the same, you know, Master Sword category weapon and that's it. You know, maybe you're shooting stuff in the face with your hook shot or slapping it around with your boomerang. Uh, but, you know, the vast majority of the time you're using that same, you know, straight sword, you know, sort of of weapon. You know, so it was neat being able to have everything, you know, and mix it up and have the different elemental weapons. Um, I once slapped an enemy to death with the Korok leaf. <laughs> Don't do that, by the way. It takes a long time and it breaks yeah, the leaf. You got to use a mop. Oh my goodness! Um, I can't say I ever did that, or I don't think I used a pot lid either. Um, but it—I I don't know. It was just tedious. Just it makes no. It just thematically for a fantasy setting, for your weapon to just just give out on you like that, you would be going back to the shop owner that you got that weapon from. And you would be taking that broken off hilt and you would be putting it into his head. <laughs> now that's why no shop owner sells weapons in Breath of the Wild. Oh. But uh, it, I, I will actually mention, like you brought up thematically, but I think that thematically, uh, given Breath of the Wild's plot, uh, breaking weapons makes sense because it's such a it's a game so much about like impermanence and failure. But that's a bit more spoilery, so I, I don't want to talk about it too much. <laughs> well, I've been out for a bit. We could probably, well, about a yeah. Month. yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just like, you know, like a lot of the game is nothing is forever. And like, it, you can argue about whether it's appropriate for every system to reflect that, but I feel like to some extent, weapons are so transient because of that like sort of thematic tying that binds the entire game. Well, I mean, and part of it is, I mean, there's so much in the game that, you know, Ken may go in and replay it another time and use different weapons that happen to have more durability or use them in but a different way the, and have a completely different experience. I, I straight up, unless I have nothing else, I don't like the two-handed weapons. I don't like the super heavy weapons. I just, Those are I don't all the most durable ones. <laughs> but in a, no, but they're not because I. Well, I mean, when I'm using the heavier ones, what am I doing? I'm doing the the heavy slam the giant attack. tornado swing. Exactly. I think that's the problem. No, you're the problem. <laughs> you are the problem. Oh, let's not let's not get into this. We should move on before this turns into a, like some sort of blood sport. Blood, but, uh... But yeah, no, I, I think that your your like thought process is totally valid, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. Like, I think it's a very interesting choice that like maybe like I suspect a sequel will probably tone it down to some extent, 
but I find it a very interesting and bold direction for the series to go. I just think it, it would have made sense if you had had um, ways to repair your weapons, or if mm. there was a way to decrease your durability loss, maybe through one of the great fairy fountains or something like that. Um, you know, it's not like you had like a um, like an ocarina of time where you had the the different blessings that you could choose. You know, like uh, one of them was, you know, pretty much doubling your heart capacity and or increasing your strength. It's not like there was a, a buff that you could get that would slow weapon durability loss. Yeah. Mm. Well, and that seems like a logical thing to add. And, and it seems like they almost went that way because there are some weapons uh, that you get in like the different uh, towns related to the. Uh, divine beasts, where there's like certain weapons that you can get rebuilt. But they are almost they, break. they are almost prohibitively expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's putting the those thing. back together, putting Humpty Dumpty back together. Also, as so, I recall, if you have to put one back together, the game will point out that you're essentially wielding a counterfeit. Does it? Uh, that's pretty. Yeah, funny. like the description changes slightly to mention that, like, oh, this isn't the original. <laughs> Yeah, like, there's also just, like, to an extent, the game is also built around, like, trying to make sure that all of your resources actually mean something, which is something that Zelda's often struggled with. So, like, money often, like, anything that is going to cost you anything worth mentioning is also going to be absurdly expensive. Just oh, my super. goodness, that, that last fairy fountain that I needed that asked for 100,000 rupees. I thought it was 10,000. <laughs> it's a crazy number, regardless. Um, was it 10? It doesn't matter. You know what? She can like, choke on those rupees. Yeah, like, when you get to... It, it's, a, it's a number that when you get to it, all you can think is, I didn't realize I could hold that many rupees. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. But like getting like at that point also like given what fairy fountains do like the amount of resources required to actually get armor to fourth level is also prohibitive. This is true. It's uh it's almost ornamental at that point and then like like at that point like that level of armor is probably not necessary because like it's way more efficient to just cook good stuff and like fall back on things like Mifa's grace and fairies. It's a it's a very free form game. Yeah, uh, I think the only thing, you re- not the only thing, but one of the things that really made it work for me is just that you know there are strong weapons and whatnot, but nothing, nothing is really all that amazing. Yeah, it is worth noting that like you're never going to find something so unique that you'll feel like you've been robbed to have lost it. Yeah. At least any more than you would have been by any other weapon, depending upon your personal uh, feelings about how the game works. Right. I don't know. If I, if I had to say anything, it would just be the rewards for clearing the Divine Beasts. I feel like those deserve to stick around a little bit longer without having to spend an exorbitant amount of time and resources to to rebuild. I've been fine with those regenning the way the Master Sword does. Yeah, I think that that would have been that would have been a good way to go. 
I do like how, like, the characters in some of the cutscenes will actually recognize you already have the Master Sword. Like, I did, I did, yeah, like... Yeah, that was pretty cool. I still haven't finished the game. I've been very sort of slow at it. I've been kind of busy this past month. But, like, I, I did a, uh, the, my second dungeon last night, Varuta, and when they were offering me, like, the uh, weapon you get for finishing that, they were like... But you already have the Master Sword on your back, so this might be kind of pointless. <laughs> but there was a lot of stuff like that. There's also armor sets. Depending on what you're wearing when you talk to people, they'll they'll react differently. Yeah, um, that's really I mean, there was there was definitely a lot of attention to detail there that was really nice. Yeah, I remember like the the infamous one right after the game came out because it was something really easy to do and didn't take very long was uh, that, like, if you were just wearing nothing and talked to Paya, she would get really, really upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it, it... I think that's one of the things that makes Breath of the Wild striking, is that you're playing a... Uh, like, you're playing an open-world game that still has, like, really tiny characteristic, like, Majora's Mask-esque personal details. Yeah, I was I was really surprised by that because I was expecting a much emptier world, and you know the, the different towns are just really interesting. I, I wish to we we've been talking about this for a while, and I feel like we're starting to stray. So I will close. I wish to close my piece on this discussion by saying, "Fuck Lionels." Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that that reminds me. I wanted to tell the story that uh, uh, before when we were talking about you know. Uh, the game is basically, oh, it, it works. So I was climbing my way up Hyrule Castle and ran, there was a Lionel there and, you know, you walk in and you walk into this building and, like, two gates close and you have to fight this Lionel. And it killed me and I was like, uh, I don't really want to fight this thing. So when I respawned, <laughs> I just climbed over the building and moved on. <laughs> and guess that. what? The game didn't care. Nope. <laughs> It did not. You're, you're talking about the one in that, that little tower in Hyrule Castle, is that yep. what you said? Yep. Yeah, that, I think that was the only one that I killed in the entire game. <laughs> oh, man. I remember seeing like reports that there is a Lionel or two in the game that actually has more health than Ganon. <laughs> oh my god. It's like a silver-maned Lionel, and it's just the worst. It sounds like an actual nightmare. <laughs> Uh, also, I was I enjoyed the fact that they're like sort of pointy shields. If you are right next to an enemy and fail a parry, it doesn't matter because the shield will still damage them. <laughs> All right, so we want to kind of wrap that up there for the moment. Yeah, I would talk more about like uh, random Zelda timeline stuff and some interesting oh, things said that, during yeah. the final boss fight. But yeah. Also, also I haven't finished it. So. Yes, that too. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's see here. Budai says, "Do you feel Japan has a stronger consumer fan base when it comes to selling specialized items with a, within a certain fan base?" What I mean by this is, is that Japanese developers can make a calculation that their fandom will buy any product branded, even if it's limited amounts. Hopefully, that's not a confusing question, but the media has always portrayed certain Japanese shoppers as very dedicated to certain franchises, and they can be counted on to buy a Gundam toothbrush, for example, if it's made. Does this happen with any JRPG franchises? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, 
like Japanese uh, consumer like consumer products for very like boutique brands are much more common like really a lot of like just how anime on home video works is a testament to how this to to the way that this this calculation this this calculus is much more well known in Japan where it's like okay so uh, we figure that this product can sell approximately 2,000 units at the price of nearly $100 for two episodes on a disc, so that's what we will sell it for, and that is their break-even line. <laughs> and, like, that's that's just sort of how... Like, like, that sort of concept is more known. Like, it's also just because, like, you know, shipping up and down Japan is a lot cheaper than shipping up and across America, for example. Like, the, the calculus of, like, retail and warehousing and all of that is a lot more easy to know ahead of time. But yeah, no, like, there's definitely very niche... Like, a lot of, like, super niche RPGs kind of fall into this. Most anything that's coming out exclusively in Japan and exclusively on the Vita probably falls into this on some extent. Where, like, its development budget is calculated against the audience for that kind of game in Japan and against the amount of people who own the system. So you get, like, those really niche RPGs that a lot of us probably are never going to say play or even be aware happened. <laughs> but, like, you know, someone, like... Or, like, I guess visual novels would be even more this in Japan, where it's like, oh, the market for PC games is this, and the budget for a visual novel is this, and we expect it needs to sell this many, yes, we can probably do this. See also something like, say, uh, oh, what was the last Nonary game? game? Uh, remember Virtue's Last Reward, what was the third game? Uh, Zero Time Dilemma. Uh, Zero Time Dilemma, where it was a situation of like, well, this didn't sell in Japan, and we had, like, it's a visual novel with puzzles, and we didn't like, it didn't sell the expectations, we can't really do it, and then it's like, oh, but it sold in America, and then, like, complex calculus happens, and suddenly Zero Time Dilemma happens. <laughs> so, that's probably the most concrete example I can think of, of, like, the, the numbers are very understood for what the break-even line is on a lot of these. Well, I think it's also with Japanese games in, at, I guess, really outside of Japan... I mean, it almost seems like they're only just over the past, would would you say, 10 years, they've really started to see that we like those games, too. Um, Because I'll tell you, you know, if they had, like, an adult toothbrush that had a chocobo on it, like, that was, like, you know, adult-quality toothbrush, I would buy that toothbrush, you know? Yeah. I, I think that there was a very long period where it was assumed that, uh, like, that sort of really, like, specific branding didn't really... It was assumed that that sort of specific branding, at least for materials based off uh, Japanese IP, didn't really have a market in the U.S. But, like, the like long-term experimenting with, like, video game special editions, which are basically like that packed in with a video game have sort of shown that there is a market for that but it has to be you know as always carefully constructed to uh put the producer at minimal risk but yeah i think it's it's starting to come through i mean like i 
bought the Persona 5 Take Your Heart Edition sight unseen last June, so... Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got really lucky, because, like, I got it immediately, and then over the past year, for some reason, despite it always being sold out, Amazon has been slowly discounting it, so it's like $70. <laughs> Pretty so rad. Dollars. <laughs> yeah, I got really lucky. <laughs> uh, so I didn't actually pay a great deal more for the Take Your Heart edition. <laughs> I Which, need if to it's... see how much I paid for mine. That's if nuts. It... I think mine shipped it... at um, seventy-four. Yeah, something like that. Very close. And like, if it's any, if it's anything like the Persona 4 S-Link edition, it will appreciate in value as few other video game tchotchkes I've ever bought have. I believe Persona 4 S-Link edition, edition, which did not actually come with Persona 4, it had to be purchased separately and only from Amazon, is currently fitting at, like, $90. But, like, it, it it was great, it had a calendar that had some really nice art in it of the team all, uh, lined up and it had like a teddy plushie to go along with my Raiho plushie and it had a uh, yes yes Persona it also had a like t-shirt of Yukiko's Persona for some reason and that t-shirt is the largest t-shirt I have ever seen in my life I don't know (laughs) who it's meant to fit like that t-shirt is built to be a circus tent and it it lost its calling in life but it's nice, and I suppose if I wanted to package it all back together, I could probably sell it for a profit. But it means too much to me because I love Persona Four. And I paid seventy-seven ninety-three for for my copy. Well, it's probably difference in taxes. So. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I am in one of the states with no sales tax. So. I I <laughs> How dare wish. You? <laughs> I wish that I had been able to get that uh, special edition of Persona Three that came with that Junpei hat. Oh man, the oh, P3 man. portable one. Yeah, I grabbed that. Yeah, I almost lost that. I almost lost that hat. It's that a surprisingly was out nice hat. Before, um, I really, I guess, understood what Persona was and how friggin' awesome it is. Um, so I think I probably saw it in the store, um, but never yeah, really think... did. Okay. Because I had, um, I had gotten Persona Four. Uh, prior to seeing that in uh, it was probably in like a Best Buy or something um, but I never got around to really playing it, I think I played it a little bit and I was just like, oh this doesn't really make sense, this is Very boring, I, this I, is boring. Must, I must have been I must have been like high or something um, suffering from some sort of brain disease because um, I, I just, I didn't like it, like the first time I played Persona 4 I didn't really get very far into it um, a lot of people bounce off Persona 4 the first time because it takes like three hours before it really gets it you does. into the yeah. um, And it's it's well-earned slow burn, but at the same time, if you're not expecting it, it's like, why is this taking so long? And then I, I think I I got Persona 3 Portable and I think I completed that before going back to Persona 4. Um, it was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. great. Mm-hmm. This does lead me to the question that I was I was curious about, which is like, what was everyone's first persona? <laughs> I think. 
So first Persona for me, I guess the the little bit of Persona Four that I played. Mm-hmm. I mean, not my first Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, uh, but Persona in specific. But Persona, um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I think I own one of the other ones or two of the other ones as a a PS Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I've ever played it. Um, I I can't really play those older games without just cringing inside because of the graphics um and i'm sure that they're great games but um i guess i'm a i guess i'm a graphic bigot i i understand like especially like to persona 2 has has solid enough graphics they're they're very low budget ps1 but Persona 1's in particular, which is probably not the one you played, because I don't think it's ever been a PS1 classic. It's It was only... Like, it was re-released as a PSP game and properly remade. Well, quote-unquote remade. They didn't actually touch the graphics. Uh, but uh, Persona 1 is, like, low-budget and also kind of hideous. Like, all the character portraits are are at best passable. It's and a butt. lot of the secondary ones are awful. It is butt. <laughs> it's butt. Let's be honest. Yeah, here. like I, I picked up. So I picked up Persona One, Revelations Persona One, at a PS One, like at a rental store in like 1998, and had no idea what the hell I was in for. <laughs> That's a really confusing game, and I think I got lost on the map screen. If you've never seen Persona One on PS One's map screen, like they revamped the map screen to be less confusing on the PSP version, the PS One one is a giant gray untextured mess. You can only move on, like, sidewalks and crosswalks, which are really hard to distinguish. So you're just wandering through a gray morass. The only color is green because, like, that's your character marker. Everything else is gray, and it just it's just telling you, like, go to the hospital. Which one's the hospital? I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> so the, the most important question for that is, did you complete the game on that rental? And no. if so, how many times did you have to renew that rental? I, I did not. Persona 1's not actually that long as RPGs go. It's maybe 20 hours. But it's like it's such a it's hideously difficult in a lot of places. Like it's nothing on some of the other SMT games that were coming out at the time because it like cuts out a lot of things that like say soul hackers would have had where it's like, oh, you also need to be keeping track of alignments and such. But Persona 1's got some really harsh, mean-spirited first-person dungeons where, oh, this place is dark, you can't see anything, and the map doesn't work. Yeah, those dungeons are awful. They're really, really mean. Uh, I don't know how I got through it on PSP, but I eventually did. I know that Wheels has like a particular axe to grind with the PSP mm-hmm. version. But I'm going to try to like go through this, because I'm actually a fan of the super old Persona games. Persona 1 plays like butt, but its story is kind of neat. Like, Persona 1, 2, and 2 Part 2 are all are much more connected to each other than, say, Persona 3, 4, and presumably Persona 5. Uh, 1, 2, and 2 Part 2 are, are form kind of a loose trilogy. Uh, 2 and... The, the two versions of 2 are much more connected than either is to 1, but they're all very connected in a way that the later ones aren't. And... Like, which isn't to say they aren't all in the same universe. I mean, they make obvious references to each other. Uh, Kirijo in three references that her family split off from the Nanjo group, which is a major player in one and two. But 
You get, but they're mostly cute nods like that. Whereas Persona One and Two share a lot of characters. Uh, but like, they're they're they have really neat stories that like are they're much more typically RPG in progression. Like they don't really have like the social sim elements. They don't have the time system. Like getting personas is hateful in Personas One and Two. Like I don't know if either of you guys remember how those games function. But terribly, you you buy personas from Igor. Oh, that's right. Like, oh. like he he tell you negotiate with demons to get cards, and those cards are like of specific arcana. And the more of an arcana's card, like you can only buy personas with cards of the appropriate arcana. Two makes it a lot easier because you can also get cards that have no arcana. And then you can talk to a guy who's never shown up again. Like, the Velvet Room used to have a ton of people in it. <laughs> like, Persona 2's Velvet Room has, like, five people. It has the singer, who you can always hear in 3, 4, and presumably 5. You just can't see her. But, like, there is a singer in 2 who's singing that same ghostly wailing song. And you, then you've also got her pianist. And there's a painter who you can give unmarked tarot cards to, and he will paint them to be of the, ri- of the tarot you tell him to. And, like, so in 2, you can get the kinds of tarot cards you want fairly easily by farming the same enemy over and over. But it's still kind of tedious. It's still an inelegant system. But the plot and cast of 2, both parts of 2, have really awesome casts that I just adore. Sorry, I just needed to rant about that because I really like them. (laughs) That's fine. I'll give them another chance sometime. Like, Innocent Sin and Eternal Punishment both form, like, a really... a brutally insane, but really fun, uh, like, two-part plot that... Oh, boy, you gotta now, see... Now, you do they, see what do they leave you me. feeling dead inside, like, Persona 3? Oh, Yeah, kind oh. of. <laughs> we might have to pass on that one, then. <laughs> I don't know if like, any game could make me feel as dead inside as Persona 3 did. Yeah. That was pretty brutal. It, it gets... It goes places. But yeah, Innocent Sin and Eternal Punishment are not the cheeriest video games ever conceived. But, I mean, it, it's one thing to have a a dark theme. It's another thing to have a dark theme, and then at the end, when you're, you're hoping that everything is, is going to turn out all right... They go full Kalima on you. They rip <laughs> out your heart, and Igor just eats it with some fava beans. It's pretty dark. I, I do appreciate the game is threatening you with that from the very beginning, and you don't completely understand what it's getting at until you reach that endpoint, and then it's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> but, like, down to the... like. Persona 3 and 4 reinforce their central ideas, like, down to what happens when the game declares a fail state. And that I really appreciate. But, yeah. Like, 2 gets really brutal. It, like... But the thing about 2, I guess, is that 2's characters understand that the fight they are in is unfair to them and rail against it at points. So like it's it's worth seeing it's it's got, but it's it, you're also going to see a really amazing cast get brutally tortured for a fair portion of it. So, you know, understand what you're getting into. 
Can I grind my axe with Persona 1 now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. This is the the PSP version in particular, Shin Megami Tensei Persona. I believe the re-release came out in about 2008. Yeah, so that was the first Persona I played. Oh, gosh, that's not a good place to start. And I got, um, I don't remember how long, 10, 20, 15-something hours in, and I forget exactly what I was doing, doing a quick save or something, and it corrupted all the saves on my PSP memory. <laughs> Every single one. Oh, man, that's harsh. To, like, lose everything to a game you didn't even actually like. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, my favorite Persona 1 memory is that the game has a... There's a trick that the game kind of pulls on you where, like, each character has... A, your main character has, like, an ultimate Persona that you can only get by answering correctly to a bunch of random nonsense questions strewn throughout the entire game and i didn't realize this existed until i reached the point where the game's like oh good job you gave all the right answers here's the ultimate persona okay thanks video game (laughs) but like persona one's also i i I will before departing from that because i have a lot of demons to exercise with this game it loves really unmarked and untelegraphed uh secrets uh, there's a part early in the game where, like, your first, if you're on the pri- there are two quest lines that diverge about two hours into the game and never reconverge. But if you, like, in the the Seabeck quest, which is the main quest line that is referenced most often, uh, like, is most important to the uh, preceding games, uh, if you're doing the Seabeck quest, you have like one free party member open to you. And the game will start offering you characters, but it won't tell you you can't get rid of a character once you've selected them, and you only get five. So, like, four of them are decided for you, and then, like, Brown offers to join, and you're like, well, like, more characters is good. But then, like, oh, Brown's a dick, and I don't like him, but I can't get rid of him because I already let him in. But, oh, the other great thing about Persona 1 is, like, the really really unfortunate uh, attempts to try to make it look less Japanese when it was released in English. They tried to redraw... They recolored everyone to try to make them look more Caucasian. It mostly makes them look albino. And they, they made one of the characters black to make that less obvious, but then they also, like, localized the... So, like, early in the game, your school is, like, the last safe haven outside of, like, the monsters in the dimension that it's being surrounded by. And so you try to go in, and it's just like you walk up to the gate, and it's like, ro- like, like, what's the password? Roses are red, violets are blue. My face is white, so you know I'm true. Oh, that's uh, it's unfortunate. Uh. They also, they also did not localize out that the rich guy, like Mark, who in the Japanese version is just another Japanese kid. This is fine. He calls him a monkey to imply that he's an idiot. Mark's black in the English version. They didn't localize his insults. Mm. Yeah, that was... This was not the Atlas we are familiar with now that would think about all of the implications of the things that they say. Uh, whoops. Persona 1, don't... 
free to let's play of it or something i can't really seriously recommend playing it but its plot is neat so it's worth hearing it's worth at least experiencing somehow persona 2 is really good it's really dated but it's got a really neat plot and its gameplay isn't as hideously dated as persona 1 i think it's still worth playing please play it <laughs> so persona 3 is the first one that i actually played through to the end, and spe specifically the portable version. I have not played the actual PS2 version. They made some really important improvements to that yeah. version. Uh, and I played it on hard. So, boom. Ooh. I remember like yelling at you, why do you keep doing this? Stop it. Because <laughs> I'm just that good. Or just that bullheaded. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was, it was quite difficult. Like you can't like I swear you like broke down at some point and like nearly restarted and then just rammed your head against it again. Yeah, I took it out. The bo last boss took um, it took several attempts. That's a really Sef long last boss. Several. It's a, really, it's a really like you don't want to fail that boss last boss halfway through because it's like a forty-five minute fight. I, I love that last boss fight though. I don't care. It's a really it good is. fight, but it's really long it's horrendously long yeah and uh, just the ending just ruined that whole thing for me it was just it sucked all the air out of the cool end game it's, it's very hard to play that game again knowing what you're in for at the end yeah. but, some... but i did it so that i could play the girl's side but uh somehow yeah i um and that's not even talking about the uh Episode, I guess, or whatever it's called. Oh, oh yeah. So, do you, in English, it's the answer. Whatever. Like, the answer yeah. to what? Uh, the answer to what is the least value added with the most time spent. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I, I read like the spoilers for it because I didn't want to go through and do oh, it myself. So and dumb. I'm glad I did because it makes no sense. It pretty much turns out that nobody actually liked you. <laughs> It's like they liked you, but it was just like a case of like, but whatever, I guess we have to leave him at the door. <laughs> and like everyone gets in a fight and I guess is now two I guesses. It's really, it's like, it's an utterly joyless slog. It, like it's Persona 3 without any of the social aspects and everyone hates each other and a lot of Persona 3's cast already doesn't like each other that much <laughs> but like in Persona and that is why 4 was a much superior game mm -hmm. yeah like Persona 4 has a cast dynamic that basically no other game replicates and I one of my favorite dumb things that happens in Persona Q which is not an essential game but it's kind of fun fan service but one of the fun things that happens is there's a bit in Persona uh, Q where, like, one of the Persona 3 characters comments, oh, you guys actually all like each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. Persona 4 is really good. And I, one, one thing that is I feel is interesting to touch on is that Persona 3 and Persona 4 both have silent protagonists but both of them are silent protagonists where the dialogue options make it clear that there is a character underneath this that you're determining the reactions of but mm. which has like a core personality that is coming through like persona 3's main character is designated the leader for seemingly no reason 
Like, they're, they're like, you're the best fighter. You've got all the personas, so you should be leader. And it's like, I don't... That doesn't track at all. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh... But, like, all of your dialogue options in Persona 3, males, male and female side also have different personalities. Like, male side is very hard to be anything other than standoffish and very sort of, like, go, I'll go with it, but I'm not that interested. Whereas, like... Persona 4's main character is, again, despite being silent, a much more take-charge sort of person. <laughs> and it's interesting that they could communicate that through dialogue options that are mostly pretty vague. I just wanted to comment on that because I think it's interesting to do a silent protagonist who is very, like, who still portrays a character. Sorry, needed to rat. No, it's fine. <laughs> And I think that's one of the things that most endeared Persona 4 to me over 3. And, yeah. it, and not just the main character, just the whole cast in general. They're just better developed yeah. characters. Naoto is my favorite Persona character. There, I said it. Are you... Are you on drugs? No, Naoto <laughs> is awesome. Don't do this to me. <laughs> you want to fight about this? <sighs> oh... Whatever. <laughs> I just, I think the, I don't know what made me feel worse in Persona 4. When they make you think that Nanako is dead. Or, or all the girls' reactions after you've gotten all of them to love you on Valentine's Never do Day. that. Never ever do that. <laughs> Valentine's Day additions to Golden are just there to oh, make you man. realize what a heinous human being you've been. It's like it's not like you're playing like a like an arrow, you know, visual novel where the you game can get is it. Not high fiving you for doing this. No, it's not. No, I mean maybe it's high fiving you in your face with a rock. Yeah, it's like, hey, now here's everyone you said no to, wondering why. Oh, why I felt- they? I felt I thought, so <laughs> bad. Yeah, I had a friend who walked right into that, but I was doing I was doing that playthrough to see like all of the platonic paths, so I didn't run into that. I got lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think I I really think I need to not do that in. Don't tempt fate. <laughs> no, I just I can't I can't go through that again. I mean, I wanted to see all of the the lover endings. Because um, they are all good, well-written scenes. And, you and see. the worst thing was that I didn't just go through it once for my chosen girl. I went through it for each and every one so that I could see their final Valentine's Day, you know, scene. So I, <laughs> the worst so, Groundhog's Day ever. So I had to reject them all like what like five times <laughs> like seven or eight if you're if you're counting non-party members there's like eight people oh but it was so terrible so terrible <laughs> never do this to yourself no don't if you if you're if you're going to be going through persona 4 remember you you really should just have one one girlfriend at a time um it's just it's not worth it's not worth it it's not worth it. Right. Persona, 
Persona 4 kind of like because it, it had done away with like Persona 3's S-Links are very strange because you get to a point where you're obligatorily in a romance and then you get to level 10 and they're like oh but I guess I don't mind if you just go off with other girls and then it just sort of ends <laughs> and they were like mm, let's let's do a little more with that in Persona 4 so like no one ever lets you free but then like in you, you never break up with anyone but in Persona 4 Vanilla, like, there's never a point where it brings up brings that up for anything other than comedy. Like, it's possible if you're wandering through a dungeon you've been through before, you might see, say, Chie and Yukiko just sort of standing there saying, one of them comments like, oh, this place is, exact, is as messy as your room. And then one of the others will be like, why do you know what his room looks like? <laughs> <laughs> and then the game just narrates an awkward silence descends upon the party. But, like, in Vanilla Persona 4, like, it doesn't really do anything. Like, it it makes it clear that, like, you've already got a girlfriend, are you sure? But then, like, it never does anything. But then Golden's like, this is where the hammer drops. No more. We're not playing around anymore. Well, but it, it will make a difference if they're not, if they're not ranked 10. It's true. Once they're ranked 10, the game... Ref- like... Persona 3 Vanilla, and this this kind of went away with each successive re-release, had, had ways to, uh, a lot more ways to, like, say something stupid and send a S-Link into reverse or break it. I can't, like, sending it into reverse meant, like, sending it into reverse was actually really obnoxious because, like, if you just didn't talk to someone for a while, they, they would automatically go into reverse. And not even, like, a while, it's only, like, a couple days yeah, like you, it really encouraged you to like pick one and just s- slam through it until the game is until you are done, until you are out of things to say to them. And like once you've hit rank ten, then you can stop thinking about it. But like the, but with like the successive re-releases of three and four, they like gradually cut those out. So there's not many places where an S link will uh, reverse or even worse break. I remember, like, it takes, like, several days of concerted just hanging out with someone to uh, fully, to re- to fix a reversed S-Link. I can't even remember what ha- if it's possible to fix a broken one. Probably, but I never really let it sit. It's like, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> I'd rather just keep what I did that day. Yeah, when I, the last time that I did Persona 4, um, I used an S-Link guide to mm. max everything. Yeah, it, it was tedious, but for me, I think it was worth it. Yeah, four is also much more forgiving about the time frame. For three, yes. it's almost an accident that you can, and they made it slightly easier in Fest because they gave you a reward for doing it. But original three gave you nothing for doing it. It was like it was just oh, I guess you can do that. Okay, but like four, especially if you're playing golden and getting the true ending, you have a, a fair few extra days to sort of like if something just doesn't go right if a dice roll doesn't work out in your favor you still can make things work for yourself yeah oh man like i I love most of the s-links it's it's easier to name the ones that i don't have much fondness for Yeah, Moon in 3 is probably my uh, least favorite. <laughs> Anyone got strong opinions on this? Chie is the best. That is all. Chie is good. Best girl you mean, right? 
Yes. No, just best in general. She's the best. <laughs> yeah, but she also wants to become a cop. Oh, but then again, Teddy. Teddy. Yeah. Man, there was like a period of like two years where anything that could even remotely be construed as like relating to bears caused you to just shout like something terrible that Teddy had said. I hated it. <laughs> I'm really not sure how you how uh, you bared it. Moving on. <laughs> Persona yeah. is good. Questions? Oh yeah, we had other questions. Did we? I'm just yeah. going to talk about Persona some more. What's your favorite and least favorite aspects of Final Fantasy IX? Nine. This from uh, I like its world and cast. I dislike some of the ways that it chooses to lock things off after you've left. It's a lot of missable stuff in that game. But that was almost the same with a lot of those multi-disc RPGs, because even like you know yeah. Final Fantasy VIII, you know once you get to the last disc, you're you're done. Yeah, I but mean, I also it, just don't like eight. So, well, I mean that aside, time compression. Um, so stupid. Like that <laughs> um, that one, like they cut off everything in, in because they needed space for the gigantic FMV ending. Yeah. Yeah, no, like like some of them, it's just... It, for for Nine, it makes me feel worse, because it's like, oh, I can't go back to Conda PD anymore. Hee-ho. Uh, Rally-ho. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've got a bit too much uh, Shin Megami Tensei in the brain, so I initially went with a Jack Frost. <laughs> yeah, cast. Battle system. Dislike the loading times. Oh man, I need to play the like Steam version to see if the speed up function helps because it seems like that would be oh, a really sweet function. Yeah, like also, you can tell they knew the kind of trouble they were getting in with those battles because the battle theme is built around having to like sort of build up until everything's loaded. Well, at least it's an awesome battle theme. It is really good. The entire soundtrack's really good. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Oh, also, Chocobo Hot and Cold is about the best mini game they ever came up with. But yeah, I, I actually really, really like FF9. I need to play it again. I wish it was on a handheld. Well, aside from like, I wish the faster version was on a handheld with yeah, buttons. That'd be nice. Like on the Switch? Oh, that'd be nice. Switch that would hands. never happen. Switch things up? That'd be sick. Hey, we're getting mana games on the Switch. That's weird. Yeah! Ported by M2 of all companies. Didn't know that they had a working relationship with Square. Um, anything else on FF9? No? Yes, no? It was, a, it was kind of a broad question. Like, I would love to talk more about FF9, but I would need to think of something other than, like, oh, man, screw that side quest where the guy wants you to get his damn coffee. <laughs> it's really good. I like how you can use a uh, tent in the middle of a fight, and it will give someone a snake bite. <laughs> 
just inflicts basically every bad status effect. Um, I like that it's better than Persona One. A lot of games are. A broken Perso- a broken PS One is in many ways better than Persona One. <laughs> Speaking from experience as someone who had both. <laughs> uh, yeah. Persona. Oh, man. I've been waiting for this, this new game for eight years, and that's weird to think about. That is pretty weird. Like, oh, yeah. I've been waiting for Persona 5 the second I beat Persona 4 in December of 2008. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got... Two fighting games, a dungeon crawler, and a rhythm game. And I feel we were robbed by the fact that we did not get the, uh, the or that they localized out the full and proper title of the second fighting game. What was the full title? Ultimate Ultra Suplex Hold. Oh God damn it! It's <sighs> <sighs> so good. <laughs> oh man. I understand why that was bizarre and Englishy enough to just get slapped into ult- uh, Ultimax, but Ultimate Ultra Suplex hold. <laughs> yeah. Also, that yeah. time they turned the villain of Persona Four into Akuma. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still like dancing around that because I still feel Persona Four is worth playing, and I don't want to spoil its ending. Even though it's pretty much impossible to not know it, if you care about any kind of RPG of this type at this point. True. Yeah, like I'm trying to think of like what has happened since Persona Four, Persona Three Portable, uh, Persona Four Golden, Persona Q, Persona Ul- uh, Persona Four Arena, Persona <coughs> Four Arena Ultimax, and Persona Four Dancing All Night have all happened since. It's been a lot of... Oh yeah, there was also two animes as well. They're not great. Oh yeah, there's also that... Oh man, now I'm just thinking. There's... Persona 3 has a really, really bad sequel anime that was tacitly decanonized by every succeeding game. Don't watch Persona Trinity Soul as though you were at risk of doing so. Is it really that bad? It's pretty bad. It's, it's, it's really boring... And, like, it contradicts aspects of the games, because, like, if you've played Persona 2, you've seen adults with personas. Persona Trinity Soul argues that adults can't have personas. It's a weird game. It's a weird show. It's, like, even without, like, the weird canon ignorance, it's also just bad. Like, it's really boring. Well, Persona 4 wasn't that much better of an anime. It wasn't a good anime, but at least it was, like... It was also just redundant. It wasn't pretending it was telling its own story. It's just Persona 4. I think the only episode out of Persona 4 worth watching was the one with the King's Game. Oh, that's that's fun. Uh, Persona 4's second anime, Golden, is mostly not worth watching either, except for, like, Persona 4 Golden's anime positions Marie as the main character for some yes. reason. That's well, weird. because... But, but all it is is it's it's filling in the blanks of her pretty much her s links yeah so you almost have to watch the, the original persona 4 or have 
played the game to understand well, what the hell's happening. Well, I think what you need to do is you would need to take the original anime and based on the dates, take the golden anime and put it in there as you're watching it. Oh, God. But, the, but really, the only good parts of the golden anime are ironically the ones where it just realizes how extraneous it is and, like, just tosses everything out to just tell a dumb joke. Like, the like I think the third episode is just, like, the bits from the mall in uh, that they added to, like, Persona 4 Golden... But it's just like the main character trying to wander from like S link to S link. He's got it's like he's trying to do two S links at once and he can't and he nearly kills himself doing it. <laughs> and the other is that there is like the tenth episode is like a Christmas episode where like all of the girls think that he's like inviting them over to like have a date on Christmas. <laughs> but every single one of them like misunderstands it in some way. And my personal favorite thing that happens is that Naoto assumes that it can't be a date, so it must be an attempt to murder her. <laughs> and so like it no, nothing good comes of this, but it's like it's pure comedy. It's almost entirely original. There's no scenario that's like that in the game tragically. But it's also actually funny and like makes good use of the characters, which is more than can be said for most of the other, uh, like anything else to do with the Persona animes. <laughs> and I did like, there was the one episode where it was, uh, was it one or two episodes, where it was like the Nanako Detective Agency. Um, oh, yeah. And she was worried that you was up to something bad. Um, so she follows him around, and she he pretty much you see him going to all of these non-playable uh, character S-links, like going to the hospital and <laughs> helping out that little kid in the park or whatever and stuff like that, um, which I thought was a, a neat different perspective than what you would normally see. Because if you think about it, when you're playing this game, you are doing a lot of really weird stuff, and you're hanging out with some pretty sketchy people. Um so it kind of gave it a different perspective that I think was interesting. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, when I played uh, Persona 3 again after playing Persona 4, one of the things that struck me is that a lot of the S-Links in 3, the correct answer is almost always to tell someone, yeah, that stupid idea you've got, you should totally do that. <laughs> and it's like this weird, almost sociopathic amount of being a yes-man to everyone. And it's just like... With 4, like, it's still, there's a lot of just, like, reinforcing, like, the things people need to hear, but there's a bit more of, like, this is, uh, like, fewer people are attempting to do something abjectly stupid that the entire S-Link will ultimately prove was a bad idea. <laughs> so it's not as glaring that, like, you're, like, a weird sociopath who's just telling people what they want to hear so that it'll benefit you. Ugh. <sighs> So that's why when I started playing Persona Q and it told me and it asked me to name the main character of Persona 3, I named him Sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. I, I still don't forgive them for not allowing enough character space to put in useful name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You cannot fit you, Narukami. I forget what the movies chose to call... Uh, Persona 3's main character. It's Makoto something, I think. Uh, yeah. Did, did the Persona Golden anime ever get a dub, or was it subtitles only? I think that might be sub only. I've never checked. Yeah, sucks. I don't. I don't really watch anything dubbed. 
Persona I mean, 4, be... Persona 3 and 4 have remarkably good dubs. They do. At least, that is my opinion. On the original Persona 4 anime, had a, well, it was basically the game cast. But yeah, they, they couldn't get one or two, but they were very studious in getting yeah. everyone else. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Persona Q? Uh, it's the furthest that I've ever gotten in an Etrian Odyssey type game. <laughs> it really highlights uh, like some of the things that like go wrong when you're like, yeah, let's uh, let's just you know, yeah, we'll put the Persona scale system in in Etrian Odyssey. It'll be fine. And then you get like, oh, it turns out characters who can cast instant death almost always effectively are really, really broken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I liked it. I liked the, the chibi art style. Um, Soundtrack. I mean, awesome. that was great. Um, I loved the um, that hard shell 3DS case that the special edition came with. Mm. I mean, that was great. Um, I mean, I even bought that, uh, the special edition 3DS. Oh, nice. Persona oh, Q nice. That was a really nice 3DS. And I bought that. What, that came out, and then a month later was the new 3DS? <laughs> yeah, so, it was really badly timed. So my, my Persona Q 3DS has maybe an hour of, of usage on it. It's actually so pretty looking. sad. Um, but it was still just Etrian Odyssey is so tedious I just I don't want to map everything it just took so long it took so many resources just to get through those levels that I think I got up to maybe the third or fourth floor and I said yeah that's it yeah, and that's definitely one of the easier Etrian Odyssey type games. And it wasn't that it was it was necessarily hard. It was just having to navigate through the whole thing, trying to map stuff out, and just getting interrupted by the um, the random encounters triggering. Yeah. Oh, that's what I mean. Like everything in that regard is much is much worse than any of the other Etrian Odyssey games. Yeah, I mean, like, because I had tried a little bit of one of the Etrian Odysseys and um, my biggest complaint with that was I don't want to have that much control over character skills and stats. Yeah. I really don't. <laughs> I, it's like, it's, it's your game. Please just tell me what skills this character should have. If I like it, I'll use it. If I don't, they're just going to sit and they're just going to atrophy. Um, and, and I'm fine with that. Um, but having to have that I don't know. I, I guess I just don't have the capacity to really make those decisions anymore. <laughs> um, you know, my my time and my my time is very limited, and my backlog is very big, um, and I don't want that much responsibility. <laughs> Understandable. It is kind of a lot of responsibility. Because if, yeah. you, if you completely mess things up, you'll just be uh, pretty screwed. But, I mean, I do feel like I need to go through and I need to finish Persona Q because I'd have to imagine that there's something in there that 
uh, there has to be something that's going to make me feel a little bit better about Persona 3. Yeah, probably not. Right? No, probably not. Right? It, it, no. it, it no. takes place before the end of Persona 3. Like, it can't fix things. It can't. But they, can't but they do fast. make... They do make reference, though, to that. I mean, because Elizabeth knows what happens at the end of Persona 3. Elizabeth's magical. Well, but uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth comes from the Persona 4 time, whereas, what's the, uh, what's the one from Persona 3's name? Uh, no, no. The one from Persona 3, the attendant, is Elizabeth. Okay, so that's what I'm, then I'm, I'm it's, obviously... It's Margaret can... that's from 4. Yes, I'm obviously very confused. No, that's um, understandable. Blame that on old age. So Margaret makes reference to, I mean, at least oblique by the, the how far I've gotten. She makes reference to the ending of Persona 3 or the outcome of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, if there's no hope for, for any sort of happier sort of resolution then it can just go it can yeah just sit, well but you get more time I, with the persona forecast the telltale problem you're going to run into is you can tell pr- very precisely when the persona 3 cast is pulled from because shinjiro is with them but i mean and i i understand i i don't know i don't know what i'm saying i, I, I just, understand i just don't don't get. Your I was just hoping that an, another entry that has the same characters would give me some sort of better resolution instead of just throwing them out in the middle of the cosmos and just taking a dump on all of my accomplishments. And that's what they did. <laughs> I, I don't like, think you're. Uh, I don't think like, you're going to find that. It's like Koromaru. Hey, boy, boy, come over here, boy. You gotta go. You gotta go to the bathroom. Gotta go outside. Okay, let's go over to the main character, and we're we're gonna take a dump on on them, and that's gonna be it. The end. I mean, yeah. that would have been that would have been more satisfying because at least they could have gone and taken a shower and put Guaramaro <laughs> up for adoption, <laughs> and uh, just been done with it. The best thing that happens in Persona 3 when you play the girls game is that one of the S-Links gets replaced with a Karamaru S-Link where you just take him on walks and he wanders into people. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite, like, dumb thing that happens during that S-Link is you go out to the park and, like, the samurai-obsessed teacher is there and he's just like, help me find my USB stick. And it's, like, it's just buried in, like, a sandbox. You pull it out and it's like, oh, it's obviously his because it has a katana hilt on it. (laughs) And then... And then, like he talks to you, and he's like, "I shouldn't do this, but since you helped me, I'm gonna give you gonna give you some advice for the next test. Study the Sengoku era. There, thank you for your help. You and Koromaru feel you feel a stronger bond after having done this pointless task. Uh... I love Persona." Good old Bearsona. Um, thoughts on the fighting games? I only played uh, a, a very little bit of it. They're visual novels with fighting games attached. They're apparently decent enough fighting games. I'm not exactly uh, a great judge. If they had put it out on 
Vita or PlayStation 4 or any other console that didn't sound like a freight train in my living room, um, I, w- I would probably go through and play it again. Um, but I don't even know where my PlayStation 3 is right now. Yeah, we'd like a nice uh, update for that on something else. That would be pretty nice on PS4. Uh, any hopes for Persona Five? A happy ending. <laughs> That's, I mean, happy ending. That's really. Uh, what else can you really ask for? I mean, because my my biggest Persona experiences have been three and four. One of them left me totally dead inside. I was devastated for a very long time afterwards. I mean, <laughs> it was. It was. It definitely put me into a, a not very happy video game place. I think it was probably at least a week before I wanted to play anything anymore. And it took me probably at least a month to get over it. Um, very long time. Very unusual for a game to, to have that sort of effect. And I guess that's kind of what they were going for. Um, but, I mean, Persona 4 was just such a much more uplifting ending Um and I just, I want a happy ending. I want, you know, I don't want to feel dead inside after I play it. I don't want, I don't want it to be ambiguous. I don't want it to be kind of, okay, I, I guess that that turned out all right. I want it to be a happy ending. That's what I want. That and I, there has to be a Nanako cameo in there somewhere. Or I'm going to be mad. I can't remember what year that uh, Persona 5 even takes place and it might not actually explain when it takes place but uh, hopefully I feel like Persona 5 is likely to have a uh, have a happier ending because like Persona 3 in retrospect makes it very clear that things are not going to end super well for you but Persona 4 like you can tell by the first time you get a game over and it starts instead of ranting about how like oh well everyone dies eventually it's like well you you know everyone has to fight for the sake of truth Persona 5's theme seems to mostly be, like, cracking, like, uh, casting off societal pressures and living life, so I get the sense that uh, 5 will probably have a happier ending. We can hope, because, I mean, I've, I think I've only watched the initial, so I saw the initial reveal trailer, and I've seen the trailer that's on PlayStation Network right now, and that's it. Yeah, that's so, pretty much what I've seen. Yeah, so I, here. I, I know that they're they're high school students, and at night they have persona and they steal stuff, right? I mean, and there's there's a weird cat, but I I have no idea. I don't know what's gonna happen. Cat Sona. <laughs> yeah, I think the cat's named Morgana. Morgana's cool. I'll be getting a plush of Morgana. I remember that strictly because, like, oh, the Take Your Heart the Take Your Heart edition comes with a Morgana plush. And it's like, what else could that be of? It's probably the cat. I'll have to put the Morgana plush next to the Chie plush that I got at Pack South. I will be putting it oh, next what? to the I will be putting it next to the Teddy plush, which lives next to the Raiho plush. 
So what what brand is that? Is that Sanshi? Sanshi. So Sanshi. S A N S H E E. dot com. They have. Oh, they also have a Shokugeki no Soma T-shirt now. Um, they have a Persona Four line that has a Chie Satanaka plush. It has a Midnight Channel spinning necklace. Oh, I also got the Yasugami High lapel pin, uh, which I'm going to put on my Persona 5 school bag. And they have a couple t-shirts. A Yasugami High shirt, a Chie and Tomoe shirt, a Junei shirt, and a Midnight Channel shirt. It's fantastic. Nice. I almost got the Yasugami High one, but they were out of stock because all the people at PAX South are just so friggin' greedy. (laughs) Yeah. You get you can easily get placed at a uh, at a convention. I always like limit myself to I'll get one shirt from Fangamer. That's how I will remember the convention. But uh, otherwise, I would die from not eating food and instead purchasing convention shirts. I will. I will tell you though, my my three girls, they know who Chie is now. Good. <laughs> That's good. GA is very good. Raising them right. She's capable. Like, make sure, make sure everyone in your life is capable of kicking someone so hard that they like do the team rocket blast off. And she's <laughs> and she's not afraid to eat food. Seriously, oh man, now <laughs> the meat gum thing is like <laughs> one of the best things that happens. It, I want something that's like a snack, but not. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she is best girl. True story. She's not my favorite. Well, you know, I did feel because when I went through the game, and you know, I ended up picking, you know, my the girl for Valentine's Day and for Christmas. I I don't know. I kind of based... I mean, one, it was based on what the ultimate reward was for, and Rize had the best reward for that. Um, I forget what hers does. It was a... It's a reusable... Um, once per... You can use it once per round um, healing item. Oh, nice. A- AoE healing item, nice. I think. Um, but I felt that Rize was the, I don't know, almost the character that needed you the most, that you would have yeah. the most sort She did of... get slotted into the Lover's Arcana for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, but everybody else, it really just seemed like they would be completely fine without me, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a really great cast. It really is. A lot of a lot of fun dynamics. Like, there's there's always like seeing characters just sort of like get tossed together and just like, well, time to see what happens when they collide. And it's like, you you could see like any two characters on in the cast sort of like paired together for like some sort of activity. And it's like, hmm, there's there is a logical dynamic between these two, and you know how they relate within the group. And that's like more than you can say for a lot of RPGs, where it's like 
a lot of times, especially like this is a dynamic that happens a lot in Persona 3, where like the characters don't really know each other, they know you. Yeah. There's not really a lot that groups them together as a group, so you don't like if you were to put, say, Akihiko and uh, frickin' like Ken. Fuka together, they would have nothing. There, there is no dynamic for that pair of characters to have. Like Akihiko and Ken get paired together by the story to sort of both angst about Shinjiro and their relationship mm-hmm. with him, but like, yeah, like even in that context, they have no characterization that can pair them together in a way that like. That isn't revolving around their uh, various like hangups about how like you know how things ended with Shinjiro, and that's like that's something that like Persona Four manifestly like refuses to like oh like other characters that like there there are natural dynamics like the guys and the girls group up a lot together because high schoolers, but speci- but like all of these characters have ways that they interact with specific other characters. And like that makes them feel much more connected and like a group than most RPG parties. Persona. Persona. Mm-hmm. Or should it be Persona? We go into the TV and shout Persona. The King's Game scene is classic. None of you have been drinking alcohol. You're all idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I need to go back and watch that. <laughs> Every permutation is worth your time. All right. Um, any other thoughts? Anyone have any random questions? Concerns? That we can relate to Persona in some way. Sure. I could like, I like I'm I... deliberately trying to not just keep talking because I could do so for hours. So. I mean, I wonder if, like, we could relate, like, the current Destiny update to Persona. What if you played Destiny as an anime high schooler? I think that would be fantastic. That would be pretty cool. I mean, because you can already get the blue hair. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, the, the first thing when I was playing, like, Saints Row 4, the first thing I did was, like, I made the burliest man I could and then gave him as anime features as I could. <laughs> and then had him voiced by Nolan North. Then I put him in a kill. Really, basically, I just want to have, like, aspects of anime that I can just randomly insert into every game. (laughs) (laughs) What was I going to say? I mean, you have to play with lots of high schoolers uh, to raid, so we kind of fit that whole theme. Well, Yeah, but they won't be as sympathetic as the Persona high schoolers. (laughs) True. And you might just have to boot them from your fire team for just being completely ridiculous. Yes. Although I'm glad that in that raid group that we were in, we didn't have any squeakers. Oh, no, that was a great raid group. I'm surprised we we had so much trouble with Crota, but I guess it it was kind of... Well, I think it's because you had a couple people who were were experienced. And I hope, please, dear God, because I'm going to have to do the raid at least one more time for the Necrochasm, uh, which, which you should go and you should start before we do the raid again. Um, do not ever let me hear you say the word crotation again. Because <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, that is just filthy. I just... 
Please don't. Please, well, please uh, don't. He rotates, and his name no. is Rhoda. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. No. No, please don't. Okay. No promises. <laughs> oh... Crowder. Speaking of Destiny, it's finally nice that they uh, officially announced the sequel. Oh, so good. I'm, you know, it, I wish that they would show us more before, what, they're not showing us anything again until May. Yeah. Um, everything is just going to be, we're not going to know anything else until May unless they tease it in the updates, which they probably won't. It's probably going to be four weeks of we're getting closer, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. Okay, Cade's going to be in... This big spoiler. Cade is going to be in Destiny 2, and we'll see you in June. We have recorded lots of Nathan Fillion. Here's a taste. <laughs> so much. But I, I really like how this, this final update really makes it feel like it's coming back full circle. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a celebration of of your accomplishments and how far um, destiny has come. I think. Yeah. And um, I was worried this was never going to happen. I'm just glad that we're able to do the classic raids, mostly Vault of Glass, at a higher level. Finally. That in the return of elemental primaries. Yeah, that too. Which is which is really kind of neat i mean really useless outside of um nightfall or certain strikes um but welcome that they came back i think putting them as exotic weapons was a good choice definitely but is it is it vaults of glass is going to be tomorrow i believe vault of glass is the second one yeah Okay, either, so we're either that we're or be playing it, Persona Five, so it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, I will be, <laughs> I will be taking a break to do Vault of Glass because I love that raid. Yeah, I'll probably do it as well. Yeah. I really I want I want Vision of Confluence, and I, I hope that I can finally get a Fatebringer. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Mir- don't let your dream, dreams happen. don't die. Dreams. Don't die. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many times I did it uh, regularly, and I've never had one drop for me. So we will see. All right. Anything else? Are we good? Can we end this thing? I guess uh, I'll just sort of. I'll probably spend most of the night talking about Persona to an audience of no one, so. Just sort of rambling to myself. Should just call random strangers. Hello, sir. Have you heard the good news about Persona 5? <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait to get arrested for that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to get arrested for something. At least have it be something cool. Well, but like, how many times you're gonna have to have the cops call on you? Because I mean, once or twice they'll probably just give you a warning. 
not really sure where we're going with this now, but I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, either. no, I'm, I'm recusing myself, <laughs> lawyers. I was never here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can uh, leave us messages on the forums. Uh, uh, my Twitter is Ask Wheels. Dave's is Fanboy Master. Uh, Ken is Couple Silk. Couple Silk. And yeah, really glad to hear that out loud. So I know precisely how it's pronounced. I mean, that's that's how I I pronounce it because because technically it's C of L, um, but Kaffel is just much. Nothing could bigger. be more canonical than the way you say it. I mean, well, no, absolutely, um, but whatever. Yes, Kaffel. All right. Anyway, that's all. We we'll see you next time. Peace out. <laughs>